and welcome to Alchemy, the home of the open mind. Thank you for tuning in and hopefully you enjoy the show and the variety of eye-opening guests that we will be hoping to bring to you in the future on a more regular basis than we have for the past while. We're free, completely non-profit and available on demand from alchemyradio.net and iTunes. And we rely on donations to keep the show free and advertising free. We're very grateful for any help you can offer. And there's no fixed cost on donations. It all helps. So if you could spare even the price of a cup of tea or a cup of coffee every month, it would go a long way towards keeping us afloat. Our donate button is on the website and your support and assistance is hugely appreciated. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. So get following and interacting with us with all your feedback, guest suggestions and other input. So on to the show. This week's guests are Danny, Mick and Colin from the That's Good Crack podcast. Three Irish fellas who decided to live drug and alcohol free, having been down the drug and alcohol path previously, discussing all areas and topics of that lifestyle and sharing experiences of their sober lives. Their podcast is seven episodes in. It's a weekly podcast and I have become a big, big fan of it immediately. It's well worth listening to, and I think this conversation is going to be well worth listening to also. Whether you've been down that road or not, I personally haven't, and I still take a huge amount from the lads' podcasts and the witty way in which they present their work. So, for the first time in alchemy, I'd like to welcome Danny, Mick, and Colin. Lads, how are you doing? What's the crack, John? How are you doing? I'm really good. Now, I suppose the first thing we have to get over is who speaks first? How do you know who's going to speak? I mean, when there's three of you on a podcast, how am I going to deal with this? See, there we go. <laughs> Good well, show everyone up. <laughs> I'm going to take the reins and I'm going to kick off with the question that I ask everybody when they come on the show. Directed at Colin first. Colin, how did you get from where you were to where you are now? I always enjoy going first, so thanks a million, John. You're very welcome. I can see on the screen the lads enjoyed that too. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I've said it. Yeah. But um, how did I get to it? So uh, in terms of podcasts and life, and uh, 12 years ago, um, I would have had, you know, ran into, as, as a young Irish man, my whole life kind of evolved, the social life evolved around drinking and that. You know how we can go here, no, not everyone, but a, a lot of kids, like, especially when I was growing up in Ireland, they kind of uh, end up involved in drinking and drugs. That was the whole social life, you know. Mm. So it kind of got a bit monotonous and bored and ran into a little bit of difficulties uh, with work and, you know, life and, and everything and just wanted to stop really and it took me a couple of years to kind of get my head around it to 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 get my head around actually living a sober life you know but I did I did and I was glad I did and 12 years on it's been an amazing journey I suppose of life as you know we're kind of we've uh, had a few experiences ourselves together over the years that's for and sure so um, so yeah, it, uh, and, and to the podcast, I suppose, it's, like I said, myself and Mick and Danny, we, we've all been living a sober life over a decade. So we have a lot of valuable experience when it comes to living life, like going on holidays, going out to clubs, going, like you've, I've been to many events with you over the years, John, and, and, and never drank, and we always kind of have a good time and so on, like, and, uh, 
So you just want to be a lot of knowledge, I suppose, to, to, to kind of pass on and share experiences with people because that's how it works, you know, the power of kind of uh, staying sober, the power of living drug and alcohol free. Because it's not even about if someone has a problem or someone needs to go to rehab or something. It's just sometimes people get stuck in a rut with the whole thing and just want to break from it. So, you know, I suppose, like I said, a long story short, really, um, that that's pretty much it because... Uh, we have another two guys that are mad to speak over there as well. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> well, it's no doubt at all. So uh, thanks for that, Colin. I'll direct the same question to Mick. So how did you get from where you were to where you are now, Mick? Yeah, thanks, John. Chomping at the bit here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, where, how did I get from where I was? Yeah, I suppose um, my thing was I was always like into the drinking partying kind of scene you know um worked construction and uh you know was kind of played hard and uh worked hard and um just you know as the years went on it just became an issue became a problem it was like uh rather than it being like something that was kind of a the spice on top of life you know what i mean that little cherry on top it became my life you know mm. and uh and stopped working stopped doing what i was meant to be doing and uh you know, it came to a point where I felt everything, it, everything was going to improve if I if I gave it up. So I did, you know. And uh, it was a big, big change in my life. And uh, you know, we talked about it in podcasts. It was a change of identity. You know, that's what I was identified as. Uh, you know, to the that was my persona to an awful lot of people. Um, and uh, so yeah, big change. Um, but it's been been amazing. And uh, recently, Colin got in contact and said. You know, anecdotally, we'd re- we'd um, kind of seen that a lot of people were choosing to live drug and alcohol free. You know, not only because it was a problem, but just you know, um, just because they, they they could see the advantages of it, like me be more productive, maybe be a better parent, you know, whatever maybe. And uh, so we said we'd share a bit of our experience about it in a podcast. And our thing about the podcast is, I suppose, it's aimed. You know, it's not aimed at that extreme kind of thing, you know what I mean? If someone needs to give up because it's a problem, it's not a podcast you need to be listening to, you know what I mean? You need to yeah. go and get some professional help and then come and have, have a listen about, like, you know, um, the fun things to do. Uh, but, yeah, so it's been it's been fun over the last few weeks. You know, it's early days, but enjoyed it now. No, it's sounding great. So, same thing to you then, Danny. What about your road yeah. and your journey? Well, I suppose um, the reason I stopped, well, for me, at first when I got into drink and, and, and partying was the whole scene, you know, I enjoyed it. And for a while, it was great fun, you know what I mean? It was really good, good fun. And uh, in the end, it kind of turned on me. And, and by the time I stopped, and I stopped when it was about three months before I turned 21, it just became a destructive force in my life and uh, it just, you know, basically I, I, I couldn't handle it anymore and I needed to stop. And uh, so I stopped. And when I stopped, I really didn't know uh, how to enjoy life anymore because literally my life revolved around drinking and partying. And when this disappeared, I thought, well, how do you enjoy life? And, and things had to change. So um, basically, the Colin came to me about the idea of this podcast and was the concept of talking about experiences being sober and, and drug free and um, both the lads have had huge experience with that along with myself and 
one of the biggest things that I'd like to get across is is that life doesn't revolve around it and you can really enjoy life without drinking and drugging and I've had so many amazing experiences over the years without drink or drugs and and basically I would like to share that and hear other people's experiences about that and I think that's one of the things that really attracted me to this this podcast was that it is about enjoying life I didn't I didn't you know when I stopped drinking and drugging I was in a dark, dark, dark place. And it didn't stop to stay in a dark, dark, dark place. Mm. I stopped to go out and experience what life has to offer. And over the last, you know, this year, hopefully I'll be 19 years without drinking drugs. And over those 18 years that I've experienced, I've had so many amazing experiences without drinking drugs. And and I'd like to share them and hear other people's experiences. Good stuff. Well, as somebody who obviously grew up in Ireland as well, and the, the whole drinking thing kind of passed me by, and I've rarely drank over the years at all and ne- never to any kind of excess and drugs completely passed me by which is quite unusual for somebody in my line of work and any of the regular listeners know what it is I do professionally but for you, for the three of you guys how obviously it was difficult growing up in Ireland to resist the temptation because it is ubiquitous it's everywhere we look in Ireland drink and to a large degree drugs as well or some form of drugs from very early teen years how difficult was it for you when you decide to make the break? We're not going to focus on what it was like for you when you were living that life, but let's focus on sobriety and, and, and that journey for you. Was it somebody else shook you and said, look, something has to change? Or was it a, a kind of a, a journey of self-realization? Or what was the point for you all individually whereby you said, right, something has to change. I want to change myself. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a... It, it's different for everyone and it also comes down to like what what drugs are involved because drugs will stop you dead in your tracks a lot quicker than alcohol will you know and that's kind of where it came into with me it was drugs it was just like it you know it starts off all the time as oh doing it on a on a saturday night then it's friday saturday then it's friday saturday sunday then it's monday it's fucking yeah. the, the the cycle you know it snowballs out of control and 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 that's what it is it's like a lot of young people when when you get into drugs it's uh, that's why when you, you go visit rehab centers or treatment centers, people in there for alcohol addiction are usually quite older, but all the drug uh, people in there for drug addiction are always, you know, very young in comparison. Right. So with me, I was lucky enough to get it under control at the age of 23, but it was like after an absolute whirlwind of disaster and destroying lots of stuff in my path uh, at a young age. Um, that there was no denying it anymore. There was no, I, I knew wholeheartedly that it just had to stop, you know, um, because there was no other option. It was, it was that or, I don't know, maybe die, you know, possibly. I don't know where it would end up, you know, but that, that it, was, it was very obvious to me and everyone around me that, that I needed to stop with the whole situation. And presumably, Colin, and all the lads, you would have seen friends of yours actually die or get to a position where there was there, there was no way back and how, how much of an impact would that have had on you oh, it's kind of funny it's kind of funny when when you talk about friends die because you know i always say like my generation in, in our town in ireland we were the guinea pigs for drugs there was no one before us it's not like in cities in dublin or, or especially london or, or yeah. new york say where drugs are old where, where I'm from is it, it was relatively new 
and actually I would say new when, when I start when I started getting involved so you know to look at and go right that's what you're going to end up looking like if or you know mm. but it has a lifespan and anyone that got into the harder drugs I'd say like 15 years ago 20 years ago uh, you have about 10 years 12 years 15 years before you know inevitably on the harder drugs you will more than likely die and there at one stage it was every few weeks I remember people were dying um, that I grew up with you know um, that's my my take on it anyway and, and I, I did over the years and it's kind of funny how you become desensitized to it I don't mean that in a bad way it's just it's in over 12 years of being sober there's been that many people that I suppose that have died that you know mm. It's not surprising. It hurts, but it's it's not surprising, you know. Yeah. So then, Mick, would you see yourself now as being in a very privileged position, having come out the other side, and being a successful man now? Do you know what I mean? Just in terms of everything around you, compared to what it would have been in the past, and having seen so many friends or contemporaries fall by the wayside, um, do do you feel very lucky? Do you feel privileged, or do you feel proud, or a mixture maybe? Um. Well, I suppose uh, luck uh, to have gotten this definitely pride, I suppose. There's other areas in life where I might uh, feel a bit of pride, but um, far more uh, I feel lucky, you know. And uh, it's when you see the, I suppose, when you see the level of um, substance abuse you know what I mean just say for instance in our country in Ireland mm. and you know like on an intimate level like you know these people and you see how few actually get um, substance free you know and get this uh, get get a new chance at life it's so so few and even in this day and age you know I think we live in modern times but really it's only getting worse you know and uh, really it's only getting worse and I suppose for me um, in a way, I feel blessed that it escalated the way it did for me, you know. Um, I see people with this long, uh, protracted, drawn-out uh, debt almost, you know. It's, uh, for some people, it's just to find this level where um, they might go to work, you know, and they'll come home and they'll close the door and they'll, they'll crack open their drinks, you know, their, their few cans, whatever like that. And it just, this monotony just goes on for them in life, you know. Mm. And uh, that's also another side of it where I just feel glad, you know, I mean, that that didn't happen to me also. Um, because, yeah, I definitely, it, it was a very, very difficult time when it came around, you know, I did need people to come to me and go, listen, um, you're a mess, you know, you need to get, you need to get, you need to get yourself sorted, you know, now getting there was a different story, but um, for me, it took somebody to come to me and say that, even though I had to admit, yeah, you know, I'm not going to argue, but, um, but since that time, yeah, no, I can only say that I feel blessed, I feel very lucky um, to have gotten this opportunity, you know, and I'm, like, I mean, I I'm more proud of the fact of like you know I was a extremely irresponsible <laughs> irresponsible guy you know uh, and uh, like abusing substances made that all the worse and okay. uh, I suppose my pride would come from you know being able to take responsibility for my life and taking on my responsibilities well that's a very interesting point because in alchemy here we, we talk a lot about personal responsibility so um, Danny, running with the ball there in terms of personal responsibility, how important did you find that was for you? Again, like, did you need to be pushed 
over the edge into a sober life or was it something that you had a light bulb moment where you thought no hang on a minute I have to do this for me because ultimately you obviously all had to take personal responsibility for your actions for your past and for your future so what, what, what way did that kind of manifest for you Danny? Okay so basically um, yeah I think uh, Colin touched on it I mean everything around me was you know falling apart for me you know um, as, I, as I said at the start it worked for a while, the drinking and drug, and I enjoyed it. It was great fun. And then all of a sudden, and it, it started to turn on me. And, and like Colin, back then I had no one to look at and kind of say, you know, this is what happens when you do these things. And I, and I, and I, and I kind of went into a very, very dark place. Um, and to be honest, suicidal, um, not wanting to live anymore. And, and these were the things, the triggers, and, you know, getting in trouble with the police. My parents baffled what was going on with me, um, what was going on with their son, um, doing things that probably I would never have imagined myself doing as a, a younger child. You know what I mean? I would never see myself in those situations. Mm. So all that, I really didn't know what was wrong. So um, I, I was lucky enough to find a way out and I was shown a way out that I didn't know about. Um, luckily, a, a, a friend, a, a friend of a friend, pointed me in the right direction, and and I found a place. And once I found that place um, to start changing, um, because I, I'll be honest with you, I was pushed with my mental space and all the stuff that was going on. That I just thought, to be honest with you, that the end result for me would be probably prison or death because I was watching my mates going through the same thing or just ending up in, in a psychiatric ward. And, um, and I said, you know what, it's time to change. I didn't know how to change. And when I was pointed in the right direction, um, I was like, it was like it was that light bulb moment. And from that light bulb moment, I was shown away. And from that point um, on, then for me, that was, it was my responsibility. I knew there was a way out. So I knew I needed to follow that way. So it was my responsibility to choose that direction. Mm -hmm. And um, and I've been blessed. And you, uh, the thing, the kind of word that stands out for me, uh, you know, that Mick said as well as blessed, it's also gratitude. And you touched on it there is, is you know, um, when I was drinking and drugging, I didn't, I, I didn't bury anyone during that time. But over the 18 years, I buried friends, you know what I mean? That I haven't had this opportunity and I truly am grateful to have the life that I have today and that would be the biggest word for me for this life is gratitude right yeah very interesting and then I'll throw it out to the group I suppose in terms of the support structures that were around you then during the very early stages of recovery what did that consist of was it family was it friends was it something more institutional or what way did that turn out for you and how helpful were the various things that you may have tried it's a, it's a tough one in Ireland like uh, it's a tough one 10 years ago 12 years ago go back to to Ireland right so if you say for instance the first port of call with a family <clears throat> that hasn't a clue about addiction hasn't a clue about drugs hasn't a clue the first thought they will come to their head back then was go to the doctor yeah you know that was literally the first thought what does the doctor know absolutely nothing as well the doctor will tell you to go to the mental hospital the, the psychiatric wards you know that's back then that's what they were doing i know so many people that have been that were pushed in that direction um at that at that length of time ago um and it was very difficult to get say if you wanted residential residential help and so on and then 
you know, they push on to different programs with different chemicals in order, you know, like uh, to substitute whatever drugs. And so there's no real, like, even now, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't want to talk about it now because I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but I remember uh, there, there wasn't, first of all, it comes down to do I want to get clean? Mm. You know, do, do I want to stop taking drugs? Mm. That has to be, I have to be 100%, 110% committed to that. And I was eventually, I just knew, right, I need to stop here or else uh, I'm just going to accept that I'm a drug addict, a stereotypical drug addict that you've seen on the street. That was the two options. Um, and I had a good a good family support. You know, my my mother was amazing when it came to that kind of stuff. It was like, there has to be a tough love. So it's like, if you're going to, and it does get to this, unfortunately, with addicts, it's okay, we can't help you anymore, but when you do want help, we are here for you. And that's the way it was with me. It just had to be complete and utterly tough love, cut off from everyone, and then uh, you, you finally realize, you know, at some stage, uh, okay, shit, you know, I, I need to do something about this. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, my family, I was very good at manipulating and lying, you know what I mean? And... Um, my family didn't really fully understand what was going on for me and the kind of uh, <laughs> the, one of the alarm bells for me was um, thinking back was when one of the guys I thought was the craziest guy in the local town was telling me I was crazy. I thought, <laughs> Here, hold on, this is not a good sign, you know, and um, and I was working at the time for a fella um, who who was part of a, a support group um, and he kind of identified kind of what was going on for me. And I, and I never really pieced the two. I just thought there was something wrong with me um, and I liked to party. I didn't realize that the two of them were the problem together, you know? Mm. And he turned around to me and said, you know, maybe you should go to a place and, and I can show you that place. And I, and I went with him and, and I started my recovery. And once, once I admitted that I had a problem, um, it gave me the opportunity to start to change. And when I admitted it, and I admitted it to my family, it was a very emotional time, obviously, for, you know, I remember telling my dad in particular and, and sitting down and explaining to him everything, you know, and the kind of lies that I told him. And, and he, he, he broke down, you know what I mean? He broke down crying. It was a very emotional moment for me. And during that time, they offered me great support, you know. Mm. I was I remember when I got, was three months off drinking drugs and it was my 21st birthday. And I owed a lot of money because I'd ran myself into debt. My my parents cleared that debt and gave me a chance at life, you know what I mean, chance to start from ground zero. Mm. And, um, yeah, so I had a lot of support. I mean, back then it wasn't, uh, I don't, like I can't speak, I've been living out of Ireland <clears throat> for almost eight years now. Um, so I don't know what it's like back in Ireland now, but back then, it was, I think the thoughts back then were like, if you need to learn to manage it. And, um, and I thought that was literally what I was going to be told to do, how to take so much of this and so much of that, that it'd be okay that you could manage your, your drinking and drugging. Yeah. And um, I think, I, I don't know, I can't talk for what it's like back in Ireland now, but back then it was a relatively new thing. And, and I think it's growing there. And, and I certainly from... Listening to uh, Irish radio as well um, uh, here, I, I certainly believe that there's a change in the, the approach to mental health in, 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 
in Ireland, and it's it's great to hear and great to great to see. And also going back, I see a, a big difference in the approach to physical and mental health, and it's um it's nice to see in Ireland. But yeah, that's a that's basically where I'm at, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, back when I came to it, I suppose as I said, um, it was actually some family members just came and said, listen, you know, you need to have a look at this. And uh, my thing was, I suppose I really wanted to kind of uh, learn how to like deal with it while keeping on going, you know, like, you know, I keep on using, uh, using uh, drinking drugs, you know, and uh, giving up at that stage just wasn't an option for me in my mind. It was like, no way, like, you know what I mean? Um, it, and uh, so I started going to a counsellor just locally and uh, she did, uh, de- deals with um, you know, substance abuse and through talking to her it started becoming clearer and clearer. I was just kind of looking at how it had progressed in my life, you know what I mean? And it was like, uh, you know, and there was just uh, things at that time was like there was, there was uh, 12 steps support groups, there was different things, you know, and I just tried whatever, whatever I could, you know. and. Uh, got to meet people and uh, who had been years uh, substance free and uh, thankfully you know they were willing to you know lend me an ear and uh, give me any of their experience of how they uh, how they progressed and um, you know they all live, were living successful lives they were all happy all healthy you know and uh, you know it started to become attractive to me. it was like you know my mind uh, you know it was you know, I was struggling, you know, mentally I was struggling. Mm. You know, my family, as I said, had come to me and uh, said, listen, you, you, need to, you need to get some help. You know, you're, um, you're a mess and uh, we're here for you, but like, we're, we're not willing to, you know, support you in destroying yourself, you know. So Mick, it sounds like you got quite a bit of tough love then from your family it was almost like a bit of a, a shaking or an awakening then yeah yeah you could say that absolutely absolutely it was it was um it had come to the stage where it was like uh, they they understood that uh, me continuing like you know it was going to be detrimental to my health my mental health my physical health um and you know, just practically, I wasn't taking care of myself or my responsibilities. I wasn't paying my bills on time. I wasn't doing all this type of stuff. So they just came and said, listen, like, you know, we'll support you in anything you need to do, but uh, we won't support you in continuing to destroy yourself, you know? And yeah. uh, so, you know, it was the catalyst for me to kind of go, right, I'm going to look for some help. And uh, thank you, I went to a, a, a local counsellor, like she deals with substance abuse. And through talking to her, it became clear that uh, I wasn't I wasn't going to be able to learn how to use and drink successfully that I needed to become abstinent you know and uh, it was a big big uh, pill to swallow for me pardon the pun but um, it was like uh, yeah but like you know there was 12 step support groups there was uh, you know and uh, and other kind of uh, you know local kind of charity organizations that ran kind of meetings and stuff like that and used to go and met different people and there there were years uh, substance free living successful lives and thankfully uh, you know I linked in with them and got their experience and was able to put in to my life things that they had done and you know it worked out I've uh, gotten a successful life out of it thankfully so what then in terms of replacing I suppose the buzz that you would have got from drinks or drugs 
was that an easy thing to do? Was it a difficult thing to do? Was it a change of a state of mind or was there a physical replacement that had to be put in place, even as a stopgap measure? Like, what was that process like? There is, there is an element of that. And actually, you know, with, when you're involved in, in drugs, when it gets to a point where it's actually a problem, an addiction, uh, it, it consumes every minute of every day of your thoughts. You know, with me anyway, just constantly non-stop all day every day that's all you think about you know and i always say that to people that are trying to get, trying to get cleaner or that is it's trying to replace that and it's, it's not that easy to do that you know i i was lucky i, I like mick and mick actually referred to it as luck earlier you know and there, there is an element of luck i i feel i was just lucky i discovered everything i did at, at the time i uh, when, I, when I was taking drugs, I wanted to know everything about every drug. I was like a chemist. I could tell you anything about all, all across the board. It didn't matter what it was. And I was very passionate about it, if you want to call it that. Um, so when it came to, uh, to, to getting clean and staying clean, it was finding passions in life. And passion's been a huge thing. And still to this day, I don't really do that much stuff that I don't feel passionate about, mm-hmm. whether it's work, whether it's fun, whether it's... Uh, recreational activities, you know, holidays, anything. I have to be fully into it. And um, so we're finding new passions in life, whether it was art, creativity, sports, that that was a, a huge thing for me. And also finding friends, you know, friends are the, there's that all I are saying, you know, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. And, and yeah. I kind of it, it it does come to that you know you can't just give up drinking drugs and then and then start hanging around with all the same people that you did eventually at some point you know what I mean you'll just give in so there's there's a whole range of factors and people struggle to let go of a lot of these things and uh, whether it's friends whether it's you know like I think it was Mick or Danny saying it wasn't an option just completely going sober it was uh, to me at 23 years of age that was fucking outrageous the idea of it the yeah. concept of it I remember a guy saying it to me I was like what are you talking about <laughs> you know I just wanted I just wanted to give up one thing that was it one thing and then I'll keep the rest of it and can continue on because I literally knew nothing else in life you know no no other options for socializing I wanted to go to nightclubs I wanted to do all the things you know other 23 year olds were doing 22 21 year olds were doing that, that that's what I wanted to do only the problem with me was I crossed the line and once you cross the line you just can't go back you don't know any way to function uh, with in some kind of normality but just on something the other guys were saying as well about spiritual awakenings that's something I think that can happen quite regularly because it is a spiritual awakening. Yeah. Uh, that that would have happened to me over the years was kind of you know when you when you experience new things and you just get this uh, overpowering sense of gratitude that you were able to be you, you were given an opportunity as so, whereas a lot of other people have died along the way. Mick touched on it. You know, there's a very small percentage of people that actually recover. And, and get on and, and, and achieve things in life, you know. Uh, so, but that's that's the thing with me is is I have to be stimulated all the time. My brain has to be stimulated in a creative way in order to kind of enjoy life. Mm. I, I always struggled with the, the normality, like there's no way in my life and there's nothing wrong with it, but I could never, I could never do a nine to five job. Sure. I could never yeah. do it and that kind of stuff. Um, because it just doesn't interest me or it doesn't excite my imagination, if, if, if that's what you want to do. So for me, it was replace. it was finding passions. Yeah. 
that saved my life whether it was playing the guitar whether it was uh, photography whether it was uh, I don't know uh, shooting videos whatever it was along the way uh, it was just that passion in life that overpowered any feelings drugs ever gave me and I would say that you know I would say that they were the, the things I've discovered as a sober man have way more power uh, in making me feel better than when I was taking drugs you know that spiritual aspect is really interesting. It's almost like a rebirth of sorts. Um, did you have something similar, yeah. Danny? Like for you, did it feel like almost you washed away the past, you started again, but you started from a very different place and you were more open to growth, self-growth? Yeah, I mean, when I stopped, um, the best way I can describe it is I had, and you know, you talked about like chasing the balls afterwards. Um, I had a very, um, basically, I had what I call a hole in my soul. Mm. You know what I mean? A kind of emptiness, a void that I'd been filling for a long time with drink and drugs. And uh, I automatically looked for things outside of myself to fill that hole. And, you know, when you talked about it, I chased money, I chased um, women, I chased uh, sports bikes. Um, and I looked for outside things to make myself feel better inside and um and and colin talked about it i needed to have some sort of spiritual awake awakening and to find that you know the problem was inside and not outside and nothing outside was ever going to solve that and um and yeah it's just through practicing many things over the years i've kind of i think the big key for me is just finding balance in my life you know what i mean because mm. when i'm not balanced i i can guarantee you I start chasing things outside of myself. I start chasing, you know, um, just buzzes, you know. Um, we touched on it on our podcast before, you know, uh, Facebook. I mean, looking for likes, looking, you know, that that dopamine hit. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had, I still have a sports bike and, and I drive it very differently to, to years ago, you know what I mean? Whereas before I'd literally, it'd be like, if I felt bad, I it was like having a hit of, of, of drugs in the shed, I go out, grab the bike, and I will drive that at, as fast as I can until my the adrenaline is pumping through every part of my body. And and yes, I chased many things after I gave up doing the drugs. And I had slowly, after realizing this wasn't going to fix it, this wasn't going to fix it, that I needed to do something outside of that, seek help, um, talk about it. And, you know, for me, it's very much about balance now. I, I meditate daily, I, I do things, I, I go to the gym, um, I do things that, that give me some sort of balance in my life and, and, and you know, reduce this massive want to seek uh, these buzzes. And like Colin, I, I need to be uh, stimulated mentally as well. Um, a lot of the stuff, I like the jobs that I have, I work using a mind and it's very important for me, but I also need to be stimulated physically with, with the gym work or, or fight training or stuff like this. And I think having that balance is, is, is very important and it, it reduces the want for me mm. to chase things outside of myself, you know what I mean? So yeah, when I stopped, I did chase a lot of things and still can, you know? Yeah. And what about you, Mick? What was your journey of self-awareness like? Well, for me, it's like uh, the best way to explain it is like that cliche of the crutch, you know, that I was using substances as a crutch. There was something broken mm. in me. You know, you can say um, you can say spiritually or if you want to go into just emotionally even, you know what I mean? That was um, I just started to use substances to deal with my day to day life with uh, 
how I was feeling about myself, how I was feeling about the world, how I was feeling about, um, you know, where I was at. And uh, when it came to a point where I took that away, it was literally like taking away the crutch, you know what I mean? And I was left with, uh, I was left with that, you know, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't able to cope properly with life, you know, that's the way it felt. And like, you, you're, I think what your question is kind of saying is like, you know I mean, if I didn't fill that with something else, you know, I was going to have issues. You know, at times uh, I did, you know, there's unhealthy things you can do without substances. Like, you know, Danny was alluding to there. And, uh, you know, it's if I am obsessed with something, you know, I have an obsessive mind, you know, and if I get obsessed with something, trying to fill that kind of void that I can feel inside me, um, that I did fill with substances. If I try and fill that, I can either choose to fill it with positive things, or I can, uh, I can uh, choose to fill it with negative things. That could be anything. It can be food, it can be sex, it can be money, it can be um, social media, um, work, you know, whatever. And uh, you know, and I can, and it can have a detrimental effect on me. So today, I try and keep it positive. I try to be aware of that stuff. I try that. I have a tendency, even now, I'll have a tendency to go towards things that will be unhealthy for me, unhealthy for my mind, unhealthy for my spirit, unhealthy for um, my emotional well-being. So um, I try to keep, like, yeah, I try to keep it healthy. Try to keep it positive, and it works for me. You know, it really does. Um, you know, I think that kind of amazes me more, John. You know, it's like is people like yourself when you talk about not getting into the, the drink thing passing you by, or you know, uh, and the drug thing passing you by. I admire that, and that, I don't. That is genuine. Like I mean, and it's it's something I just can't even fathom. You know, with the mm. with the, you know, I suppose the, the the society that I grew up in, it felt like it was almost. Um, yeah, it just couldn't. I, I couldn't. I, I didn't know anyone that had done that. I had I made that decision of like no I'm not actually getting involved in this you know and uh, I just think I think it's really you know it's really cool but it's really unusual you know in my experience well it's funny yeah it's, it's actually unusual in my experience as well while I have one or two friends who have never touched drink I did as almost every Irish guy growing up did try it and it just just wasn't for me but I had something else in my life. That, that was music at the time yeah. and performance of music. And I started DJing from a very, very young age and DJing obsessively. And I look back now and I think, God, how was I doing it so often all the time? But th that was my thing. And there was no room for anything else bar that. And in terms of my own spiritual development then, I mean, there was something, obviously it wasn't drink or drugs for me, but the breakup of a long-term relationship seems to have been kind of the, the, the spurring point for me to start looking into myself and a journey of self-development for me. So I'd like to talk a little bit about relationships and how you found sober relationships versus the relationships that you would have had when you were still drinking and drugging and how different that must have been and daunting, I'd say, in, in certain cases. So I'll, I'll throw that out to you, Danny, first. <laughs> Thanks for that question. Um, so uh, for me, when I before I got I gave up drinking drugs, I was actually in a relationship um, for about three months, and uh, I met her in the club scene. And um, I, <laughs> funny enough, I met her. I sold her drugs, and we became girlfriend and boyfriend. And then I stopped taking drinking drugs, and we tried to have a relationship. Mm for nearly six years, you know? Um, and it was very, very hard because, 
you know, we were both, I was going one direction and she was going the other, another direction. She, I mean, she wasn't doing extreme as extreme as I was, but she was still part of that world. You know what I mean? She was, we were still young. She was going out the weekends. I couldn't go out the start for the first two years. I, I avoided, I, I tried to go to nightclubs. But I just didn't know how to behave in them, you know. I, I, I had a persona before when I went to them, and all of a sudden I didn't know who I was. So here I was standing in a nightclub, not knowing how to act, afraid to go on the dance floor. And it did create a lot of friction in the relationship. And um, and it just made it quite hard. And uh, having a relationship, because she wanted to go out, she wanted to enjoy herself naturally enough. I just couldn't handle it. And, and I found myself staying at home at the weekends, you know, um, just stressing about it. And... Uh, and in the end, that relationship ended, and and then you know, and like you, actually, funny enough, that was one a big catalyst for me, um, because when that relationship ended, I'd rested a lot, rested a lot of my happiness in that relationship, and when it ended, I re, you know, I I was broken. I'll be honest with you, I was really really hurt in a dark place, and and it was then that I realised that I I put my happiness into someone else when I needed to find it inside myself. And, and that's what, that probably was one, you know, one of the big catalysts in my life to start looking at something deeper to, to seek happiness within as opposed to in someone else. And then obviously the whole the whole dating scene um, when, when you're sober is interesting, you know. <laughs> that whole question is, why don't you drink, you know, straight away? And you're yeah, like, yeah. Well, what do you say, you know? Yeah, so... That's kind of, it's, it's um, yeah, for me it was quite interesting and, you know, I went from explaining my first, my full story on the first date and scaring the hell out of the person sitting in front of me to, you know, um, not telling them to later on and, you know, it's, it's, it is a huge learning curve, um, the whole dating scene and, and, and especially without drink, you know, and how do you meet, how do you meet someone, do you know, most people meet generally in a pub or a club. I, I know that's changed over the years, but back then it was like you, you went out to meet a girl, you know? Yeah. And um, luckily enough, um, you know, my passion fell into as well music. And I I could still, in the end, be a part of the whole clubbing scene because I DJed for almost 10 years. And it was a nice, safe place for me to to um, to be part of the party while not being part, uh, being part of the party, if that makes sense. And I think you know from your profession is you're, you're in a DJ box, so you're kind of in some way protected, you know what I mean? Yeah, you have and, a degree uh, of separation, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is nice, like, you know what I mean? You can still be part of it, and you get the adrenaline from doing it as well, you know? So, yeah, so that's a bit about my journey with relationships. I'm currently in a relationship with someone else who doesn't, for the first time in, in, in the 18 years, someone who doesn't drink or do drugs and... And um, it's a very different experience. It's a fantastic experience, and I, I, I um, yeah, it's going really well. And uh, you know, because I've learned so many mistakes from the previous relationships that I've, I've, I've been. And that's another thing. Without drinking and drugging, you tend to look at yourself more. We learn to look at ourselves more. And I've looked at myself throughout those relationships, and I've learned something from each one, and and brought them into the next one, and and learned you know, what I don't like and what I don't want. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm successful with relationships, but I'm trying. Well, what about you, Mick? I, I hear you're wildly successful when it comes to the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> my, third, my third dating book is on the shelves at the minute, if you want to go to Amazon. Uh, but, uh, 
No, I I would have like I'm not gonna lie. I, I, initially, when I when I gave up, like having like all my social life would have revolved around uh, drinking drugs. And when I got <laughs> newly hatched uh, from that kind of bubble, I was uh, I struggled, you know. And I suppose we we've talked about on our podcast about identity, and I suppose. You know, there's there's your identity to yourself, but then then there's a persona you have to other people, like you know what I mean, and and how you perceive yourself, how you're seen. It's like all those things I struggled with, you know, and it was like uh, it it was a it was a struggle for me at the start, not having the buffer of uh, drugs and alcohol when I was in that space. And it wasn't until I went and I addressed some of the issues um, that I had worked out why I had been using like I use them because you know I think you know like in our in the Irish culture say the one that I grew up in um, even though like I was excessive all the way through in like uh, the drinking drugs that I used um, it was accepted you know it was accepted um, as being okay you know what I mean when really now I can see that it was blatantly obvious when I see someone that behaves like that there's issues behind it there's reasons why somebody is doing that to themselves That and uh, you know I had to deal with that and I had to deal with those issues and the more I did with that the more comfortable I became myself you know I start a big changer for me was I started playing music I started going to open mics and then later gigging and I got gained a lot of uh, confidence from that, and uh, and it also was a great icebreaker, you know, and uh, kind of gave you, you know, it gave you an, uh, like you know, it was just an icebreaker, you know, and that kind of made it easier. And uh, you know, as the years went on, then my partner now we're together eight years, we uh, and she doesn't drink or do drugs, and uh, that would be my first relationship, uh, like that would that would have been the case and it's just it's worked for me it's worked for us you know yeah well that's great and Colin do you think then it's a prerequisite to be with somebody who doesn't drink and do drugs or is that a problem for you what's your experience of it been well try find someone like that in Ireland it's very tough <laughs> yeah exactly it's very tough whether you're looking for a man or looking for a woman or whatever it is, you're looking for the unicorn that doesn't exist, you know. <laughs> On some level, like I said, there is... A, uh, it, it's quite a challenge. I mean, it took me a long time to figure out, here, look, I don't actually want to be with someone that likes to drink to excess, you know. I think at the start, you're kind of trying to hold on to some kind of normality or what you perceived as normality and you know, trying to go sit in bars and all that kind of stuff. And I eventually realized that it's, I, I don't want to sit in bars and, 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 and clubs because I don't want to. It's not because I'm going to drink. It's because mm. I don't want to. I don't want to do these things, you know. Mm. Um, so it, it that's the type of stuff I used to try put up with, I suppose, just just to be in, uh, you know, because that's what I thought you, you had to do to be in the relationship. But it, it, it's not a prerequisite to be with a girl that doesn't drink. It's just someone that doesn't take the piss, like, or, or drink to excess, or um, I just don't have tolerance for it. I really don't. It's just, it's not part of my life. So I, I, and I don't actually want to bring it into my life in any way, because I don't enjoy uh picking a girl up off the ground on a Saturday night. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Pe- her off the ground, throwing her up onto the shoulder and carrying her home like that. And it's a joke, but I've seen people doing it. 
Oh, I've joke, seen it myself more times you know than I care mean? to mention. You know, yeah. kind of laugh I've, about I've it. I've done it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> 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 you kind of, it's a joke and it's laughing, but it's, just, it's such a reality. It's such a reality. And to me, I can only speak about me looking at uh, girls because that's what I'm attracted to. But I'm sure for a woman looking at a guy, it's the exact same thing. You yeah. Know? Uh, and... It's just not something, and I kind of grew out of it over the years where you just accept, look, I, I just don't want that in my life in any way, shape, or form. It's not fun. I just think life gets clouded by by that kind of excessive drinking and behavior, even if it is only one or two days a week or whatever. I, I love that all Irish thing. It's like, uh, do you drink? No, just I don't drink. You know, we've <laughs> just the one night a week. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, so many times, or if someone drinks two or three glasses of wine a night, that's not drinking either. You know, it's. It, uh, but it, and that's why I've always said to people, I I don't drink. And when I mean I don't drink, I literally, I literally don't drink. But like, yeah. uh, there's so many other social situations to, to, I suppose, to meet people in, and then you have the internet as well nowadays, which is. Uh, uh, good too. It's it's another way of communicating and meeting people and finding your one true love. <laughs> <laughs> your sober, non-drinking unicorn, one true love. Uh, <laughs> There's a special site there uh, if, if someone wants to sell any developers. Special site like the unicorn dating site. Colin will be the first member to sign up there. No, I I, I have a girlfriend now. Uh, <laughs> just to throw that out there, I'm not looking for single <laughs> sober websites. I actually seen one where I came across one on Instagram a while ago on our on our, uh, on our that's good crack Instagram account. We we connect with lots of sober people from all over the world, you know. And I did see a sober dating website, you know, for people like that have got giving up drinking drugs and I just don't know how much of a good idea that is uh, until like if someone comes over a, a, a treatment center uh, and straight onto this site you know it's, yeah I mean people could be at very different stages of their own personal journeys yeah, that might not necessarily be compatible like they say, <laughs> you know they say that not to jump into relationships for a couple of years and it's, it's all about getting to know yourself and when you get to know yourself you can make better judgments on what you're happy with what you're not happy with you build your own confidence and so on it's, it's a very it's, it's a strange dynamic but it takes a long time I think over the years just to kind of become more confident and sure of who you are because once you know who you are you know what you like and you can kind of um look i suppose for the right person for you rather than just diving into things yeah and again it's that self-awareness and that that personal responsibility for yourself and your own happiness rather than investing it in somebody else i think so absolutely let's have a chat about the podcast then because the podcast is very interesting for me as somebody who hasn't, as I mentioned earlier, gone down the same road or the same path or had the same journey uh, to where I am as you have. I still find it very, very relatable. Like it's called That's Good Crack Podcast. And for anybody listening from around the world who doesn't know what crack means in the Irish context, it's spelled C-R-A-I-C and it means to have a lot of fun, right? So it's a jovial term. And the podcast is a lot of fun and a lot of crack. And for... For me, I find it very relatable in so many ways as well because we've touched on uh, one or two of the points that you've discussed in much more depth on the various episodes of your podcast, such as awakening and spirituality and, and that kind of thing, relationships, another one. And you managed to deliver this podcast in a really, really easy to relate to, easy to listen to way because 
I was quite intimidated when Colin made me aware of the podcast first and said, hey, John, can you ever listen to that? You have a bit of experience with podcasts, see what it's like. And I thought, God, this is going to be really tough for me because I know the lads have all had such demons, demons that I can't relate to. I've had my own, but they're different ones, you know? And I thought, right, this, this is going to be tough. And it was a hoot from start to finish. And I don't mean that in a flippant way at all. I mean, the topics being discussed are deep and they're very meaningful, but... It's just so, so much fun. And I think it's testament to not just your personalities and your kind of interrelationships there and how you get on with each other. Um, but as guys who had no experience in doing that on a technical and a proficient level, it's extremely well done, which makes it easy to listen to number one. But the big thing for me is every episode I listen to, there's something in it for me, which I never expected when I approached that first episode. So long-winded way to get to my question is that a deliberate thing or is the podcast a very organic process? Like, how did it come about? What made you decide to do it and to do it together? And how has it evolved over the seven episodes that you have online now? I can jump in there. The idea, I, I suppose, not to take credit or anything, but I, I just love podcasts. I listen to a lot of them. I've listened to lots of yours, John. I find them very fascinating. And it's just when I, Danny lives in Spain, so I didn't really know Danny that much. Mick would have known Danny quite well mm. uh, in comparison to me, but I, I was always very good friends with Mick. We kind of came into this lifestyle at the same time um, and we know each other ever since. And myself and Mick would often sit down for four and five hours just chatting about life and, and you know, like, I, I always found it quite refreshing being able to talk to another man about, especially as a man, you know, mm. to, to actually have someone to sit down there and chat with. And, and a lot of uh, logical stuff would come in there that doesn't just apply to people that want to get clean or in recovery or whatever, you know, that it may be an issue. It was just about life, life, life things, you know, life experiences and so on. So I just thought we should, you know, try one and see how it goes. And then we're kind of start doing some work with Danny and we just decided the three of us, the three of us to kind of, to, to put it on. But to, to talk about the organic, being organic, it's, it's completely organic. It's, it's just three friends really trying to share some experiences, uh, about life. We have some guidelines and we try to bring some guests on and stuff, but in general, it's about, like you said, people being able to relate to it that aren't necessarily with problems in addiction. It's just about keeping it very simple, keeping the, the conversation very casual. Because it is funny, you know, once you've been in around this kind of stuff, uh, you, if there is a level of being become desensitized that you're able to laugh about certain experiences that right. might horrify other people or, or might, you know, struggle. But... Uh, it's been going great. Like uh, the response has been amazing. We have so many downloads from America, from Canada, from Sweden. Like there's just been all over the world and lots of really nice messages of from people how it's helped them, and even people that don't actually have addictions have come across it and just said how, like you said, John, it's very easy to listen to and fun. And I think the three of us are just always taking the piss out of each other. So that that's that kind of naturally comes to make it a little more lighthearted about the subject and, and we enjoy it a lot so I, I think that shows in it too it really does show no it's 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 extremely evident and that 
adds to as a listener that adds to the the enjoyment experience because I mean, we can all listen to highbrow stuff or watch highbrow stuff, but it, it can become very boring to do that too. You know, there needs to be an element, not, not necessarily of entertainment, but um, just things need to be easy. They need to flow. And there's a very, very good flow to the podcast. And I know, Mick, you will have, uh, certainly when Colin rang you up and said, Mick, here, I'm drafting you in for a podcast, you would have immediately known that you were born to do this. So tell me about your experience at the beginning of the podcast. Was it something you were daunted by or was it something that you thought, no, hang on a minute, here's the challenge. I love this. Yeah, first of all, John, just thanks a million for the feedback. Uh, I mean, it was really, it was really nice. Um, and the, the way we keep it kind of organic, uh, I believe, is just by doing literally absolutely no preparation whatsoever <laughs> for, this, for the seven for the seven um for the seven uh, podcasts my my preparation has amounted to um downloading skype onto my computer uh, that's that, that was that's been really it but no as colin was saying like i knew we just chat man we just chat this our lives you know like in a way and we had uh we had kind of made the decision that all it was was just to show that listen you can have a happy healthy prosperous life without drinking drugs and we lived that so like you know what i mean that's all it was ever going to be i'm not looking to be gurus not looking to put ourselves up to be anything you know what i mean like that it's just like, yeah, listen, this is what we do, you know what I mean? And, you know, getting people on then to kind of reaffirm that and for us to learn a bit from as well. And uh, so it's really for us, it's just having a chat. And uh, and we 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 have no problem, uh, no problem doing that, you know what I mean? As Colin was saying, uh, you know, so it was just really just stick a microphone in front of us and, and set it off. And that's the way it works out. No, Sorry, Vic, I just want to interject. Sorry for John, but I make I would beg to differ. I'd say you were doing twelve years of research before. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah true. Sounds like Mick, all right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it's just that's that's simply the way it's worked out, I think, yeah. Brilliant. And Danny, have you found that it is kind of the podcast has opened something up inside you that has maybe helped you um in terms of being introspective and have you learned maybe something about yourself obviously you you will have learned more about the lads as you talk to each other for whatever it is an, an hour plus um between edits and that kind of thing as well every single week obviously i mean i'm learning from listening to you guys talk and i'm learning from this conversation so do you find that it is a, a learning process as well as hosting a podcast yeah, I mean, for me, um, definitely a learning process. Obviously, learning about the lads, um, more about them, and, 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 you know, even learning stuff from the guests that we had on. Um, and also, you know, um, it's been, in some ways, it's been quite easy. In other ways, it's been, for me, um, very different because uh, I've, I've obviously DJed before. I've been on a radio before in, in Lanzarote. And that was, for want of a better word, DJ voice, you know, nothing. It was just introducing tracks, talking a little bit about music. Nothing, nothing like this. Yeah. Whereas you're kind of digging a bit deeper. And I'll be honest with you, um, uh, you know, I have found it sometimes quite nerve-wracking for myself um, because I'm, I'm, we're talking about very personal stuff, and and I have flustered sometimes. And um, it's just been different for me, and it's it's been a huge learning learning curve for me and I, I've really enjoyed it so far 
Um, and it's, it's, so far it's been a great journey. I'm looking forward to many more podcasts. Um, and uh, yeah, it is definitely learning. Um, I mean, we were talking about, uh, before we, we started chatting here, we, we were talking about the last podcast and it was, you know, an interesting podcast. And, and, and I learned something from that, you know, that helped me, helped me during the week with, with my life, you know. Mm. And, and I have learned stuff from the guys that has helped me improve in areas in my life over the last since we started the podcast so yeah most definitely a journey um yeah can i just jump in there john for a sec i think you know in what you're saying about being relatable and stuff like of course you know we we do divulge an awful lot but we don't go into the gory details mm. of um you know our past because there's no need you know what i mean that's yeah. not what our lives are about today we um, we had an experience, you know what I mean. We um, we were using substances, and it became a problem. And we decided to give them up. We we've given them up, you know. And you know, people can d- decide that because it's a problem. You know what I mean. It can be a varying degrees. But it was really what we've mainly focused on is the positive side of it. You know what I mean. That uh, and that progression, like that you talked about, you know, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. When I suppose uh, you, you've kind of you've kind of said it yourself that you, you you've looked for that after that kind of big breakup and what that did to you you know and that kind of you know traumatic experience mm-hmm. um, it can be that it can be anything you know and people are interested in that I think uh, because we all have our demons you know we all have our issues we all have our problems we all have our things that we maybe use to kind of get through things that aren't the healthiest and that and. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people are searching for something, you know, um, at the minute, you know, and, uh, you know, I th- and I hope that, like, we can put that across, you know what I mean, and uh, make it a, you know, make it an attractive thing at times, because uh, it, it is, we're, we're living this, and um, it's truthful, like, you know what I mean, this is the life that we've been gifted, and it's, uh, you know, just, it's, I think that's why it might be um, relatable even to people like yourself who haven't had those issues but are still looking you know to improve to self-improve you know what i mean i think you you seem like that type of guy you know what i mean mm. that you're uh, you're looking to um, you know what's next what can i actually do to improve uh, myself my life whatever maybe you know well i think so i think personally um what i've learned say over the last 10 years and i've learned a lot from hosting alchemy as a podcast as well um, and I, I think personally that I'm here to create and I'm here to learn. And I think that process never ends. I think the person who turns around and says, right, I know all there is for me to know in my life. I don't need to know anymore. Well, that's when things are going to start getting pretty hairy rather quickly, I would imagine. So, yeah, I, again, on that level, I can totally relate to what you're saying, Mick, and what you've said before, lads. Um, and that's what's most attractive to me in the podcast. I mean, I, I can safely say... In the five episodes out of the seven that I've listened to so far, there hasn't been a moment where I've thought, oh, well, this is getting a little bit tedious. Because that, that was another thing that, that struck me when Colin told me about the podcast and it was going to be weekly. And I thought, right, OK, it's going to be very interesting to see how it progresses over the weeks and doesn't become repetitive. And it really doesn't because, and I think that's down to how organic it is. It's, it's, it's three lads having a chat about life experiences. It's not about the negative side of what went on when you were in at a different time in your lives it's about what you've achieved to get to where you are now and what you want in your lives next and that really comes through i mean there's an authenticity 
to the podcast that I rarely come across. And like Colin, I listen to, uh, and probably the same as the other two lads, I, I listen to podcasts a lot. And this is part of my weekly diet of podcasts now, which is saying something because I'm, I'm very, very selective about what I listen to. So I think it's testament to what you're doing. And I think a lot of the listeners of Alchemy will be extremely interested when we give them the details on how they can access the show and how they can find out more to check it out and try it out for themselves. But what are your plans for it over the next few weeks and indeed months and beyond? I mean, you've started bringing in some guests now. Um, have you any plans that you can divulge to us here for the first time? Well, it's just pretty much that, John. Just, uh, we enjoy connecting with people all over the world. That's one thing that this is really... Uh, Brought brought out actually in connecting with people is connecting with people from America. We've lots of people contacting us all the time via our Instagram account, looking to come on the podcast with us, and so it's just more guests. But it's 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 finding the balance in it because I, I do enjoy doing the podcast with the with the other two lads on its own. So it's it's trying to find that nice balance over time, like you said, so it doesn't become repetitive. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't become monotonous and boring that we're always enjoying it because that's what it's really all about. It's not about anything else. It's just about us enjoying doing it and sharing our experience because that's how, that's how you make changes is, is uh, experience. So who have you got coming up over the next while? Have you any guests on the agenda that might be of interest? Danny there, I'll share with you. Well, um, next week we have a guy called Shane Raymer. Um, uh, he does a podcast called That Sober Guy. Um, and he's been, I think he's over 260 um, podcasts done. Um, and he's based in California. Um, he's, I think he's roughly over five years um, off drinking drugs. And he's been doing, he's been doing lots of podcasts and he's been doing live podcasts in, in front of crowds as well. And he's, his is, I suppose it's it's more it's it's similar to ours, but in a lot of ways more geared towards uh, twelve step programs. Um, whereas, as you said, the reason why ours is more, you know, it's not just geared towards to people who are in twelve step programs. It's geared towards people who who are living a different life, and you know, um, who you know who experience similar things to us. You know, we touched on it this evening. You know, dating. You know, the fears of dating, meeting someone job interviews, all those things where people can suffer with, with fears around that we talk about those and, and you know and for me I think we've only skimmed the surface in in the few podcasts that we've done and I know that uh, you know in in the last you know 18 years of my life and the lads you know have you know we've experienced so many things we have so many things to talk about and I think as you bring on different guests and as we do we will we, we, we'll, um, more things will come up if that makes sense mm. and and i like i like you you know what you said there about the fact that you know you're seeking and you're we're always learning it's a journey until the day we die you know what i mean that we're always learning new things and and different people can teach us new things and the minute we put the blinkers on and i hope i never do that we stop learning like we believe we know everything we stop learning you know and uh, it's pretty cool. Like, yeah, so that's who we have. We, as I went on a mad ramble, <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, we have Shane, Shane Raymer from uh, That Sober Guy podcast. And uh, we're really looking forward to it. And it's nice, the contrast we've had, that this is the third American we've had on. And it's a nice, the contrast between the, 
the Irish accents and uh, <laughs> the, the American accent, you know. Absolutely, likewise, yeah, because the vast majority of my guests would come from the States as well. And it's uh, it's good to have three Irish lads on with me <laughs> at once. Uh, that's... <laughs> I, I, I find the Americans sound way more professional than we do. <laughs> well, they tend to be extremely articulate in my experience anyway, yeah. And yeah. sometimes I'd be listening to a guest and... I'm thinking, God, if only I could articulate myself as well as they do. Sometimes it's, it's mind-blowing. And not just the Americans, but I guess, uh, as we say, we can learn from people all the time. And I certainly learn a lot from hosting a podcast. And I think of the same thing about the, uh, how articulate you are. We'll have to start, uh, we'll have to start getting <laughs> shit together, lads, you know. <laughs> <laughs> never change, lads, never change. <laughs> I'm going to buy a thesaurus. <laughs> how do you spell that? What's that? <laughs> a fella called Collins. I don't know if it's Collins actually supplies it, but I got Collins supplies those thesaurus. Uh, John, John, also. a thesaurus, I buy a dictionary. <laughs> John, you'll, you'll have to come on with us sometime and talk about experiences in clubs uh, oh, I'd, be, I'd be delighted um, work, uh, working in the music industry yeah that would be pretty cool man because uh, I think I've always admired you in that way that you know you, you've been involved in that game for so long man so long I was at your first gig <laughs> school disco oh man those were the days I won't spill too much information but I was at your first gig when I was like 14 you know what I mean and to think what well, how many years is that 22 years later fuck that's a long time isn't it yeah uh, you're still going strong man and and uh, yeah I've always admired you in that sense I've been to many many events with you and, and never seen you you know you're more comfortable in the situation without needing alcohol and that. And that comes, a lot of people aren't comfortable in those situations. And that's what leads to, you know, excessive drinking and all that. But well, yeah, it'd be great true. to have you on sometime, John. I'd love to come on. And just speaking of that, I mean, you know, I, I see so many other, like colleagues, contemporaries, other DJs, people involved in the music industry. And they almost, it's almost like a rite of passage for so many of them, a bit like it is for Irish lads and girls growing up. Um, that, you know, they have to try everything they have to do. And then they do become dependent. And because it's so accepted within that nightclub scene, it's almost like it becomes a problem before anybody around them even notices it. You know, I mean, some of these guys can get in very, very deep before they realize or before anyone around them realizes there's a problem at all because it's just completely ubiquitous. So it's been it's been very interesting for me as I've kind of progressed through the ranks, if you like, to watch that and to observe it from a sober standpoint, because it has been from a completely sober standpoint. And I've learned a lot from that too, without necessarily consciously seeking to learn from it. You know, it's just looking back over time and recognizing a potential pitfall that I avoided. And I mean, Mick spoke about luck early on, huge amount of luck in it for me as well. You know, I think it's probably because I was so obsessive, almost unhealthily obsessive about music is what stopped me finding my buzz somewhere else. It was just, it's just the way it worked out. It was never a conscious thing for me. I never sat down and said, I'm never going to try drugs. I'm not going to drink. I, it just, it was never a thing. It just didn't happen for whatever reason, you know? So yeah, I'd be more than happy to come on and chat, lads. Definitely. It's kind of funny, John, because how many times did we uh, rock up to clubs and uh, there'd be three bottles of vodka there and bullets <laughs> of ice and bottles of beer everywhere waiting for you when you got there? Like, it was just a complete waste, you know? Well, that is interesting because uh, for there's a thing called a DJ rider, which is almost like it's, it's the tech spec that a DJ requires. And because of the culture, the drinks that a DJ requires. And on mine, like, it's... 
it's a couple of bottles of water and that's it and it's very and, funny and to watch how there, there's three bottles of non-alcoholic beer <laughs> exactly yeah a few bottles of Bex or something but it's interesting to see how many promoters completely ignore that and there'll be no water and there'll be as you say three bottles of vodka and ten cans of beer or whatever because they just can't they think I'm taking the piss they can't believe that a DJ doesn't need this ridiculous amount of drink just to get up on the decks or whatever so yeah it's probably a story for another day but uh, I'd happily relate the tales yeah yeah, I'd like to thank you as well for your your comments on our podcast as well. I didn't get a chance um, and, and taking the time to listen in detail. And, and, and I'm super happy that you enjoyed it. And, and just one other thing. I, I truly admire, you know, um, how long you've you've been in the game um, uh, DJing, you know, without drink. I mean, I got burnt out after 10 years. I couldn't handle it anymore. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, I was in a different level. I was doing chart music and it was, you know, but I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it anymore. And, you know, hats off that you're still at it. You're still going there. And, and you know, it's it's amazing. Like, amazing for me anyways. I got burnt out in the end, you know? Yeah, I just, I, it's all I know, I guess, at this stage. And I'm still passionate about it. So as long as I'm happy, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. So, Let's make a lot of other people happy. Tell them how they can get access to your podcast, where can they find it, and how can they find out more? Uh, Our Instagram account is at That's Good Crack Podcast. And crack is C-R-A-I-C for anyone, because I've had people writing to me going, what does crack mean? Uh, the lad set up this email address. This is I didn't I didn't set this up. You love it. You set it up. <laughs> I did. You set it's, it up. <laughs> people have contacted us on it. It's tree dry lads at gmail dot com, and the tree is the number tree, not spelled T H R E E. So three dry lads at gmail dot com. Yeah. Yeah. And Twitter is that underscore crack again C R A I C. Oh, on our Facebook page, it's just That's Good Crack. Just search it, you'll find us. There's not anything else like it. Perfect. I see you're, you're on Spotify as well, which is where I do my listening to the podcast. What other platforms oh, yeah. are you on? On them all. iTunes, Spotify, uh, TuneIn Radio. Uh, most, uh, Podbean. Most Podbean, yeah. You can find us on any of them, really, I think, at this stage. Super stuff. Well, lads, it's been informative and educational speaking to you for the last whatever length of time it's been have you any final kind of parting message each for the alchemy listeners we'll start with mick yeah um you know it's just where we're coming from is uh you know drug and alcohol free life um, as alien as it might seem to some people uh, um, there is a lot of benefits on a lot of different levels and uh you know, as alien it may seem in this society and this culture, um, you know, it's it's doable and it, there's great rewards to be had. So, you know, for anyone that's interested in it, just to drop in, uh, drop in and listen to the podcast and maybe try uh, living a drug and alcohol free life for a while and just, uh, you know, get the rewards. Good stuff. What about you, Danny? Well, I'd just like to say, obviously, the journey at the start is hard, but it's worth it in the long run. You know, I mean, for me, the podcast is very much about living life without drinking drugs and not just living life, enjoying life, experiencing life, trying new things, getting out there and getting involved in the world and learning new things massively. Like, And, uh, 
yeah, life is about experience and it's a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable when you're fully experiencing it without the dullness of drinking drugs. And uh, you get to see all the colours. I'll leave it at that. I like that. Colin, your parting <laughs> words. Like Danny, I want to see all the colours too. <laughs> I was, that, that hit me on a deeper level. I'm going to go away and think about that one now and just think what the colours are. The multicoloured there. unicorns. No, it's just three lads having a bit of crack, as we say, you know. Um, but each of us have lived a very, very, very full life and enjoyed it to the max. Been around the world and back without using alcohol and drugs. And we have a lot of valuable experience to share with people based around that. Because some people look at things and go, oh, how am I meant to go here? Like people go, how do I go to a wedding without drinking and all that? And and it's not that we've ever told people how to do it. It's just we share experiences on how we've done it. And I think that's how that... Uh, uh, we encourage it rather than yeah so that's what it is really it's just some fun and come join us have a little listen if you want if uh, listen again subscribe if you don't just delete it <laughs> come see the colours <laughs> come see the colours of Danny's personality <laughs> colourful indeed I have the power you have the power we have the power Danny Mick Colin it's been such a pleasure speaking to you on Alchemy today Thank you for joining me and uh, keep up the good work because that has certainly been good crack today. You too, John. Thanks a million, mate. Thanks, John. Peace. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Alchemy. Remember, we rely on donations to keep the show in its current free and advertising-free format and are very, very grateful indeed for any help you can offer. There's no fixed cost on donations and it all helps and will go a long way towards keeping us afloat. Our donate button is on the website and your support and assistance is greatly appreciated. So thank you to everyone for your recent help and support. We're back because of you and we couldn't do it without you. Until the next time, I have the power, you have the power, we have the power.
Thank you very much, Joe. Thanks, everybody. Alchemy. 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 Care. Alchemy. Alchemy. Will. Intelligence. Imagination. Alchemy. 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 Are you children?